Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Ella Jean Ehrlich. I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. I'm Rosie. This is Martina Navratilova. This is Mark Forbes. I'm Andy Murray. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from... Melbourne. We're here. Catherine Whitaker, we're here. She's back. She's well again. Hello. I'm here. I'm alive. Thank goodness. Two ticks. Excellent. Two ticks in two boxes. And uh, we are here on the eve of the year's first Grand Slam tennis tournament. Simon Briggs is here. Hello, Simon Briggs. What's up? Simon from the Telegraph there. He's been in Australia too long. He is feeling it because we're on the eve of uh, the first Grand Slam tournament of the year. Simon's been here for about two weeks, haven't you? Yeah, it does seem like about three months, but uh, hopefully the tournament will engage my enthusiasm. He's a lot more enthusiastic, honestly, than he sounds. He really is. Uh, it's written all over his face. He's and got a good tan. He has got an annoying good tan. Uh, so we would like to say thank you to all of our Kickstarters, first and foremost, because we are nearly at an end with our campaign to crowdfund 2018. We've done so fantastically well because of all of you. Huge support for us. You still have got a couple of days uh, to get your backing in if you'd like your name on the official website we've got a backers page so that we can shout about just how amazing you all are for supporting this show uh, we are going to be here with you daily throughout the australian open shows are plenty Catherine. you are not going to be stopping me talking throughout this tournament no matter how much you might want to well, there's a prospect, isn't there? Yeah, isn't Daily podcasts. Yeah, Excellent. we've missed them, haven't we? We, we have. And uh, the draw has been made late last night, uh, whilst you and I, Catherine, were in the air in respective separate Yeah, planes. how dare they? Yes, that, that all went on without us, but we've arrived to find out who is playing against whom. And uh, uh, yes, it was yes. quite an event, wasn't it? The, it, the official draw. It, on, I think it was on court at the Margaret Court Arena, wasn't it? Yeah, Dave and I, were, we were on separate flights, but somehow ended up in the um, Melbourne Airport baggage hall at the same time in the very, very long customs queue um, discussing what had come out of the draw. Somehow David Law had already memorised both the men's and women's draws by this stage. We'd only landed about 25 minutes earlier. It's all very exciting. And Simon Briggs was here in person. And uh, you got an immediate angle out of the, uh, the draw, didn't you? And it wasn't actually to do with who was playing against which player. It was to do with who was helping to carry out the draw or to be interviewed on the court beforehand. And that was... 
Uh, well, Maria Sharapova. I, well, Roger Federer was there too. That was uncontroversial. He was kind of overshadowed. It's, wasn't it's he? not often that Roger Federer is overshadowed, but the Australian Open managed it. So what happened? Well, Roger came on first, had a twenty-minute uh, interview. It felt like with uh, Hamish McLaughlin. I think his name is the guy from. Uh, Local TV network. Uh, What's happened to Bruce McAvaney? Should I be worried about him? He had it's a year usually off last him, year. isn't it? I remember he had a year off last year, but you know. Craig Willis is another one who's usually there or thereabouts. Yeah, have, oh, they been, have they been retired with dignity? Not Better Craig. Not, not Craig. I like not these Craig. people. Me too. Anyway, um, that was okay. We had uh, some uh, replaying of the famous corpsing um, Rafa and Roger. A trail that they failed to record in 20 minutes in about 2011. Well, I can't remember quite what the date was. You know, all fun and games. And then Roger went off and uh, Maria Sharapova arrived and sat down and got an equally oleaginous interview in which she was also asked what she'd been doing with her time out as if she'd taken a convenient holiday and decided to go around a, a city break tour of European locations. And, uh, well, let's just say that you and your colleagues uh, on the various British newspapers decided to take that to task somewhat, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I asked Craig Tiley whether he thought there was any problem with the fact that somebody whose last uh, contribution to the uh, Australian Open had been to pee in a cup uh, here two years ago. Um, Unsuccessfully. Well, no, very successfully, but... yes. From whoever's perspective we're talking, certainly it set off alarm bells which have been ringing ever since. And um, if you think that the French Open didn't give her a wild card, Wimbledon clearly weren't going to do it either. What an extraordinary gap there is between their responses and what we got here. Just uh, mind-boggling, really. And, yeah. and what did, sorry, David, what did Craig Tiley have to say? Because this, we, we were just talking about it before starting to record. This is a very PR-savvy tournament and I know uh, some people will differ in their opinion of of what happened at the draw but I I think it's fair to say that the the main chorus of opinion is uh, in of sort of astoundment and criticism of that decision I think it's fair to say that overall that was a a PR misstep Uh, well the defense is and you can see they were in a slightly awkward position there was no other champion available there are only two champions in the draw the other one is Kerber who's in Sydney. Um, so, you know, who else can they get to, 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 to call up? But Venus. Had to be sh- Venus. I would have thought so, that Venus Williams, although not a former champion, would have been an obvious choice. Somebody did make the point to me on Twitter that um, she was playing the tournament in Sydney when they would have kind of booked the players that were going to do this well, thing. Billie Jean King's in town. Yeah. Look, uh, or, 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 you're not going to Yvonne Gulligong. Yeah. You're not there, getting there the arguments options. out of me. I think it was a misstep. And, and I also think you're quite right that th- this tournament is as good as they come in terms of making calls on this sort of thing normally. They they don't usually get this stuff wrong. I think they've got this one badly wrong. But, you know. Was there recognition that they perhaps got this wrong or was it the sort of defensiveness? No, I mean, Craig just said she's entitled, she's served her time. You know, this is the same defence that, that you heard from the US Open when they gave Maria Sharap over a wild card. But it's interesting that there's a very sort of uh, <laughs> clear split between the old world slams and the new world ones on, on the whole response to Maria. And uh, I guess you could look at it perhaps as a, as a philosophical difference on what sport's about. Uh, perhaps uh, the Australian and American approach is for sport to be more of a commodity, more of an exhibition, um, more of a sort of public first um, phenomenon. And, and maybe in, in France and England, we, we see it almost more of a, as a sort of personal 
development things, but we see it more as a struggle of the athletes. We see it more from the perspective of the people who are performing, and and, and less from the from the view of, of uh, this is entertainment, you know. And and what about all the people who feel that they were hard done by uh, all those years when Sharapova was not declaring she was taking meldonium? Okay, he wasn't banned up till the point, but we know that. There's been a lot of discord in the, in the locker room caused by the whole affair. And in that context, it was incredibly inappropriate. Yeah, they got that one wrong. Incidentally, one of the reasons, of course, that we're talking about this is because Serena Williams isn't here. You and I covered that in the previous uh, podcast, Simon, the, the, the fact that she wasn't here. We now know a lot, lot more about why she is not here because of an extraordinary interview in Vogue magazine. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. We learned just how many complications she went through during the birth of her child, the, the aftermath of it, how she effectively seemed to diagnose herself with another pulmonary embolism. Uh, and, and also she talked about that just the, the, the psychological difficulties and associated with having a newborn baby and that so many people will be familiar with. And there were so many other elements to that interview that, that I found fascinating to do with her relationship with, with Venus and how she manages to play against her and, and avoid her, uh, her her eyes, her gaze during matches. She talks about how much she wants to come back and still wants to create history and that she doesn't want to retire before Roger Federer. It was just one of those fascinating interviews, wasn't it? But when you read it, you realised, crikey, that's why she's not playing the Australian Open. Yeah, for me, one of the most extraordinary interviews with a sports person I've ever met. I, I had I had heard that there had been complications with her birth, the, the, the birth of her daughter, that it wasn't entirely straightforward. I had no idea um, that it had been as unstraightforward as that. I mean, any one of those individually individual complications alone would have been, you know, enough to wipe out most human beings for, for a very, very um, long time time but cesarean plus dvt plus pulmonary embolism plus um what sounds like she hasn't used the words postnatal depression but certainly struggles along those lines um for um the the early stages of of being a mother i mean just just take the cesarean alone i mean that's very major surgery um to to a portion of your body which sort of the rest of your body emanates from i mean the fact that she played a tennis match a couple of say, weeks ago is, i can't who uses their core the way I, they have to i can barely get my head around the fact that she played a, a, a um a tennis match a couple of weeks ago and and that she it sounds like she was pretty close and pretty tempted um to play this australian open and uh it was only the the feeling that she wasn't you know guaranteed to win it that that kept her away or guaranteed to win it in her own mind that kept her away. Um, so, she, I mean, we knew she was a superhuman person, but um, all the more so now. And um, just just a slightly separate non-Tennessee note, her talking about the the, the struggles, the, the mental and emotional struggles in uh, the early aftermath of, um, of having her daughter, I, I, I personally find that incredibly important these days in the social media world where all you see is pictures of doting parents with their 
gorgeous, um, silent-looking babies uh, in, the, you know, in the one second a day that they're not crying. You've got to make sure you get a photo and put it on Instagram so that everyone thinks that your life is absolutely perfect and you've got one of those babies that doesn't cry. Um, I think that's actually quite a dangerous thing and I think it's very important that um, women talk about the realities of having children not that I've got any real knowledge of the realities of having children but I know it's not just taking lovely Instagram photos so um good honor for that um my mum had a DVT before Christmas so she's now planning her uh comeback for around Wimbledon time <laughs> uh, incidentally uh, Simon the, the other thing that, that I found really struck me was the, were the quotes from Billie Jean King in that article and and it it did feel like you know you think back to where Serena Williams has come from over the last 10 years and, and when we were we seemed to be at loggerheads with her all the time and 10 years ago she had that that incident on the court with with Kim Clijsters in, in during the with the the Lions judge during that match against Clijsters and then there was the one against Sam Stosa she is so much different now and and she really is carrying I feel she is the next baton holder for, for, for Billie Jean King, the way she's going. She re- really cares about the future of the sport and the, the future of women's sport, the future of women in society. I mean, she's, she's really becoming an impressive person. Yeah, actually, didn't she give some of the credit as well to Patrick in, in that article for, for calming her down? I can't remember what, what the individual incident was, but she spoke about how he'd, he'd relaxed her. Well, it was to do with the numbers, wasn't it? She, yeah. The, 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 the trying to get to 18 Grand Slam titles that she was trying to do a couple of years ago and to join Martina and Chris Everett on that number. And he, I remember in an interview with you, Catherine, a year ago here, he said to you, why are we talking about... 22 Grand Slam titles why not 25 why not 30 and we were like crikey that sounds a bit arrogant doesn't it but that was his way of calming her down and not focusing on one specific number Just- and Patrick's a very serene person he, he's, he's also yeah he, he can irritate people with his sort of sense of entitlement but I think he has managed to take some of the kind of buffeting out of her life hasn't he um, and, and make it smoother, and, and she's become a less um, emotionally overwrought person in the time that they've worked together. So that's partly why it's been uh, actually an underrated partnership, perhaps. I mean, everyone understands that Richard Williams created you know, two of the greatest players of all time and deserves the credit for that. But for, she's she's kind of gone another level since she was able to step out from Richard and and take on a coach who was brilliantly suited to her. Uh, and their partnership maybe is underrated because we all look at Serena and go, well, she's so far better than everybody else. Crikey, you know, I, I could coach her and she'd still win slams. But he has changed her. He has made her a more versatile player and he's probably made her a more relaxed personality. Yeah. Before we get on to the draws and the players that are here, just a word as well on a, on a piece written by a colleague of yours, somebody we've had on the tennis podcast a number of times, Charlie Eccleshare, um, with... Nicole Gibbs and uh, Naomi Cavaday, particularly Gibbs's contribution to that really struck me because it was about mental health and tennis players and the stress that they are under on the tennis circuit and how she was talking about how if you do have mental health issues at all, this is the sport that is going to test them and, and take you to potentially some very dark places. I thought it was a fascinating piece. Yeah, I mean, I think sport in general, um, we've seen... People open up in all manner of sports in the last couple of years um, about the fact that it seems like a like a real 
jolly from the outside, and it can be quite a gilded cage on the inside. Charlie's done a three-piece series over the uh, the week, starting with um, the, the toughness of going to futures events and finishing with the uh, obscenity of online trolls. I think if you read all three, you probably think that being a tennis player is is, is the worst job in the world. You know, somewhere somewhere worse than being a grave digger or or or, or, or a sort of hospital janitor. But uh, it, it's not always that bad. Um, once you make it through the um, the, the very uh, lowest levels, you know, life does improve. So if you want to be a tennis player, don't give up quite yet. No, but good in- issues and important issues to highlight. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, we are all a bit sniffy about the fact that, you know, oh, they're all, they're all rich and they're all famous and they're all living their best life, but you can be doing that and still have... Um, still have mental health issues so um yeah good on him on the subject of charlie extra by the way he showed up at our christmas do and simon briggs was a no-show C- care to defend yourself simon i was would have been there a week earlier but i think david pulled out yeah that was my fault actually let's <laughs> be fair uh, i am the one who had the snow drifts up uh, up in sunny solihull it was birmingham's fault yeah, is that was. what we're saying so we yeah, had to was, delay a week. I, was, I was free the previous monday and simon had important matters to attend important to. matters yeah, to attend so. to you know it's all right because he's here now with us in melbourne and i should say before we get onto the draws we are sitting in a windowless room here inside the spanking new media center at we're, the australian we're Open. in a room David, because it's pouring down with blooming rain. I've only been is, in Australia it? 12 hours and it has rained for all of them. And it's going to rain tomorrow as well. I demand apparently. a refund. Um, but anyway, we are we are here. We've we've had a look around uh, and yeah, they, they've moved the entirety of the media into a completely new building this year. It seems very spanking and very nice. Can I just ask one question of Simon? It's not related to the Christmas, do you, Simon? Before, <laughs> um, before we move on, just going back to Sharapova in the draw and everything, what do you think Serena thought? about Sharapova taking her place at the draw ceremony. <laughs> yeah. She cares so little about Sharapova that it didn't bother her. Or do you think, you know, because she was in her shoes, wasn't she? That is where Serena should have been. And instead was her greatest rival or, or not. Well, it is, it is hard to say how much attention she's paying with, with, with so much that's going on in her own life. But I would imagine there would have been an eye roll at the very least. <laughs> it was, it's her greatest unrivalry. Well, yeah. Exactly. In the quote. words of Chris Clary, yeah. um, because you know what is it, eighteen two? But anyway, um, yeah, I, 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 I would say she's a, a champion here. Ten years ago, worth remembering that as well. Um, if you want to put the counter argument to it, and and many people might say that she has, as Craig Tiley said, served her time. She is a former champion. Personally, I disagree with it. There we are. So, served her time out. Timeout time is out. what we're calling yes, it. Yes, yes. So it's raining at the moment. It's not going to rain from Monday. It's going to be glorious from Monday. And Even we are going well to have be. matches galore. And even if it is raining, there are three roofs at this particular tournament. And we've had exhibition uh, city over the last week. Every single day there's been some sort of uh, tournament or other or match going on. Just about 10 minutes ago, Rafael Nadal was playing against Dominic Team on the Margaret Court Arena. With no crowd, with umpires, with line judges, and they played a full two-set match and then a Champions tie-break straight afterwards. And Hawkeye. And Hawkeye. What, what were they doing? The, a score on the screen, so you could actually watch it on the, um, on the internal uh, TV system with the score flashed up as if it was an official match. It was quite bizarre. Uh, some people were saying, this is unfair and everybody else. 
Interesting. I, I don't. We're not sure. Actually, we'll try to get clarification ahead of the next show as to what was going on out there. I certainly didn't didn't know what was going on out there. I do know the score. Incidentally, uh, it it was Rafael Nadal who won six seven six two ten eight in the Champions Tie. They were playing properly. I'm telling you, it was intense. You'd never normally know the score in those things unless you actually sat there and kept a, a, a notepad and and pencil and, and um, it was quite bizarre to have it publicised. I mean, I, I think it was probably a case of... Uh, th- there were a few people in the stands, weren't there? there were, yeah, a handful, but I don't think it was many. Uh, but anyway, it was uh, something of a surprise. It sounds like Dominic Team is back to full fitness, uh, Maybe apart from like anything else. Because, but by all accounts, so the, um, the exhibition match he played against Djokovic a couple of days ago, that was less, than, was there, yeah. that was less than 24 hours after landing from his flight to Doha. Um, and by all accounts, he was in a very bad way with that virus that caused him to pull out of, of what Doha. What do you think, Simon? I don't think he had a virus. I mean, I know he said he did. I, I, I don't think he, he wanted to be there in any way, shape or form. I mean, it was one of those occasions where somebody gets a, a vanilla backhand in the middle of the court and they swing at it in such a way that it sort of lands on a, on, on, in the middle of the, of the next court, you know, misses by 10 metres. But I, he did have a virus. I know someone that was on the flight with him and he was keeping everyone up with his coughing and spluttering. He did have a He might also have not wanted to be there but he definitely did have a virus okay i mean i, I saw him in the, in, the, in the player lounge afterwards and he looked like he was uh, he, he, he wasn't in a terribly uh, terrible terrible state of health <laughs> he, he, was, he was he was he was he was uh, chatting away and having a good laugh with uh, with his mates people simon. can recover you know diagnosis simon <laughs> Briggs. um simon um, the, the more pressing health update really that we want from that match is of novak Djokovic, who was playing I think the first time he's played anywhere publicly since Wimbledon. It was hard to tell because of the state of team. But the interesting thing was the serve, which has been uh, modified quite extensively. And the take back is very careful and minimal now. He used to swing around with quite a low take back that sort of went past his shin. And now he's, he's, he's taking it back almost behind his neck. And uh, he's not bending his back nearly as much. And he, uh, he served... A, I mean, he was always very accurate with his serve, wasn't he? So it was, it was more effective than, than, it, than its speed would have suggested. And it was exactly the same. He, he was landing it in the corners and, and hitting the lines consistently with this mod- modified serve. I think the pace might have been down, but it was hard to tell because there was no speed gun there. It didn't seem that he was likely to get quite as much uh, a speed on the ball because there was just less of a backbend going into it. But um, it was pretty effective how it would stand up to... A series of tough matches, that's uh, another question entirely. I, I'm still not 100% convinced he's going to even play. Well, he lost a tie-break to Leighton Hewitt yeah. at tie-break 10s, which I know, again, exhibition, all the caveats of how much we can read into it, and with all due respect to Leighton Hewitt, who is going to be playing doubles main draw at this Australian Open, that you, you don't want to be <laughs> losing to Leighton Hewitt, do you? Well, Hewitt was all the, excellent. Yeah, I mean, he, he almost beat Rafa as well. Yeah. He, he looked like he wanted to come back, I'm telling you. He looked like he was bursted to just come back. I mean, if, 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 if you could play tie breaks, then Leighton would probably still be a top 10 player, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it, 
it's it's going to be interesting. I think he will play, um, but I'm he's not, not going to be in great shape. I'm is not a hundred percent sure that he is going to. Well, I don't think he'll necessarily get very far. And I also think there's a question mark as to whether just the rigors of what he's trying to take on here. I mean, if your comeback tournament is a best of five set Grand Slam, and that's what this is, he hasn't had Doha, for instance, and he hasn't had Doha because his elbow flared up again. I mean, that, it, those are alarm bells for me, and, and I wonder whether it is going to stand up to what he's going to have to try to put it through. Is, are we going to see Gamalfis' first ever victory over Novak Djokovic? Because right? they would meet in the second round. Yeah, Donald but... Young is his first round opponent, and then it would likely be Gamalfis who would round. play a, a qualifier wow. in round one. Yeah. It's a heck of a draw. If, if he's ever going to beat him, it's then, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's not a bad uh, time to <laughs> try. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he'll do quite well to get past Donald Young with, without having played a match for six months. Yeah, I mean, we are facing the prospect, Simon. If you think that that even Djokovic might not play, I mean, I I feel pretty convinced that Vavrinka is not going to play. If he couldn't play tiebreak tens, if he couldn't yeah. play a, a few tiebreaks, he, he's the one that all along I've thought. Yeah, I'm not sure. And Craig Tiley's very confident. <laughs> <laughs> he's been pretty confident about all of these people. I mean, we could. Month. I mean, if it, it looks to me like of of that crop of 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 players that have been on the sidelines, it is possible that we might see none of them. Uh, depending on whether you include Raonic in, in that crop, who it sounds like we will see. But, you know, Vavrinka, Nishikori, Djokovic, Murray, Serena, it is possible that yeah, this hugely anticipated Australian Open where everyone's going to be coming back and, and seeded lowly, you know, <laughs> we could have none of them. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, Rafa doesn't quite count in that, in that group, does he? He, he? he did obviously uh, give up on the O2 early um he is absolutely looking in great shape and is playing at a good level and and moving pretty strongly Uh, but somebody did make an excellent stat i did see on twitter that uh, he's never won a slam without playing a lead-in tournament he he needs matches doesn't he he's he's very open about the fact that he needs matches and momentum so uh, whether he can get the requisite sort of match practice that he, you know, he could benefit from a few longer matches early on, couldn't he? But he has a pretty sweet draw, I would say. Look, look at it. He probably has the best draw of the main contenders. Australia Burgos round one. Uh, no major chance. I mean, the seed, the first seed he would meet is Jim Hood. Chorich is in his portion, but, you know, mm. it, I know he's uh, had a couple of victories over Nadal, but um, he's not come through of late in, in the way that a lot of people thought. Isner's in that portion. Um, Chilich, Cuevas, Muller, Karenia Buster, those are the seeds in his quarter. Um, and uh, he'd definitely have taken that if he'd offered think, it to him a week or I so ago. I think Nadal looks absolutely fine from yeah. what I've seen of him. And um, I think he's going to be a massive factor here. I really do. And... Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to pick him for the title yet because we've still got a couple of days left. The predictions competition, incidentally, which Simon Briggs has been forced into entering this year, is now 22 teams strong. We still have a couple of days left if you'd like to enter. Wayne Ferreira is in it. There are systematic reasons why I always do really badly at, 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 at uh, predictions. Oh, yeah. I have to like to work 24 hours a day in, in, in the two days before a slam because that's my worst time. So I don't, so I don't have any are. time to think about it. Everybody, Simon's got his excuses in early. It's because he has to work hard. 
and that he doesn't do very well. But anyway, and he works in tennis all the time. So, you know, if that's not good preparation... But you have to look at the draw, don't you, and, and, uh, and sort of work your way through it systematically. Yes, you do. So I don't have time for that rubbish. Get on it, Simon. You've got two days left to work it out. And if you want to enter and take on Simon, Catherine and myself, you can. If we did the draw a week earlier, I'd be all right. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, Nadal, to me, looks um, in, in, in great nick. And, and looking at his... His draw. I mean, he, you're right. He's got a great section. That is a really good ch- section with Chilich and uh, uh, Isner. In. I mean, Isner's dangerous, but I can't see it. Uh, and then you're looking at a, 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 a semi-final. Then Dimitrov against, looking at a rerun. Well, well and, and Kyrgios. Yes. I'm not convinced that Dimitrov's getting that far. That is a horrendous section of the draw for these guys. Kyrgios against Songa in the third round. Uh, winner to play Dimitrov or Rublev. And don't forget, Rublev beat Dimitrov at the US Open. Dimitrov wasn't quite there in Brisbane. His service action was was being uh, quite closely observed on on TV and and, and he, he was double faulting all over the shop yeah, he not hit getting into the court. He double faults that week and and Against Kyrgios, I've always thought that Dimitrov's style of game works out quite well because he can blunt Kyrgios's power with his movements and his ability to mm. slice. And he did that for the first set. And then, really, I mean, although Kyrgios, I thought, served really well those second two sets, it was more about Dimitrov's game. Coming good match, away. though, wasn't it? Sorry? Really good match. Oh, yeah. Well, Kyrgios is, is interesting. We talked about him briefly. You said last week that you don't feel that Kyrgios physically is is up to making a big run here he's got the strapping of his knee this week so that's encouraging but i just feel that after the second round he'll have a strapping on somewhere else or on the same place and look if if he goes deep no one will be more happy than me because i absolutely love watching him play and i think he's the best thing potentially that could happen to this sport but uh, but I, again you just you just don't have great faith in his physical um, integrity. No, if his, if his body's to have any chance of standing up to seven best of five set matches, he needs to be going into a Grand Slam in absolute 100% health. And he wasn't last week uh, in Brisbane, was he? He did have the strapping. He did uh, have issues with the knee. Yes, it's good to hear that that's off the knee this week. But it didn't seem like something that would clear up in a couple of days to me. So... I'm sad to say that I've got question marks over whether he can go the distance physically here. That is my favourite section of the draw, incidentally. Shapovalov, Sitsipas, incidentally, that's a round one match, cracking. Oh, uh, Kyrgios, Rublev, Bagdatis and Dimitrov. I love that Sitsipas guy. Greek, mm-hmm. one-handed backhand, big, beefy bloke with flowing blonde hair. And he's going to take on little Dennis, the menace. Little Dennis. Awesome. <laughs> I love Dennis, though, don't you? Well, awesome. they, they, could, they could be playing lefty backhand, righty backhand up the same side of the court all day long. Yeah, it's going to be um, a we, we're talking. We're talking to Sitsipas's agent, uh, Patricia Ape, last night. He also looks after Alexander Zverev, so he's got some busy times ahead. He has. He's got he's got a pretty decent crop there, and uh, Sitsipas is clearly a personality and a talent. Yeah. And an, another reason why this next group, um, the next gen group. I mean, he wasn't actually at the tournament in Milan, but. It's got a lot of going for it. Yeah, they're, they're exciting, these guys. And as you said, Catherine, it's um, it's the winner of that one, Shapovalov sits a bass against Songa. Winner of that plays against um, 
Kyrgios, potentially. So it's all happening. Yeah, Songa that Shapovalov knocked out of the US Open, of course. Yes. I mean, that section of the draw is just glorious. And Well, yeah, not so glorious that Kyle Edmonds landed in it. No. Given that we've got one man in the draw, he's got a first round against Kevin Anderson. That's the stuff of nightmares. That's tough. Who he lost to in Paris, of course. I'd call that a 50-50, though. No, it's yeah. not 50-50. US Open finalist Kevin Anderson. I, mean, I was so impressed with Kyle in, in Brisbane. An- ankle well. aside, I really was impressed. He did play very well. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he was excellent. Um, but uh, it's a big deal to beat Anderson and that serve in the first round. 40-60, I'd go. All right. Well, that's not that different to 50-50, given how raucously you reacted. What are you saying, Simon? 70-30, sorry. I, I, I like Kyle a lot. I think he's making good progress. But, um, I, I mean, we haven't seen Anderson... Get the season, is that right? He, he played uh, first week of the year, got to the final and uh, got beaten by Gilles Simon in the tournament in Pune. And he, he won Abu Dhabi, but again, exhibition. Yeah. And he played team in the final who, I mean, that's my favourite weird head-to-head on the ATP tour. The fact that Kevin Anderson is 7-0 and against Dominic is that Team. Right? Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. I, lo- I love matchups. <laughs> you know, stars make matchups and all that. Uh, anyway, team, you mentioned him. He's in the third section of the draw, and he's uh, he could play Manorino in the third round, could play Vavrinka in the fourth. I just can't see Vavrinka getting that far, personally. And it could be Djokovic after that. I mean, that section is just a lot of question marks, really, because of Vavrinka and Djokovic. And also, the Zverev brothers could face each other in the third round. Which, ha- have we seen that? before I don't I can't remember that. having seen it I, th- I remember a tournament I can't remember where it was but I remember they could have faced one another they were on a collision course and one of them lost one round too early um, but I if, if it happened it hasn't happened for a long time I don't think it's going to happen though is it because I mean although Misha's seeded higher than um, Haiyan Chung and Daniel Medvedev who will probably start out against in the first two rounds his seeding is based a lot on that one run here Last year, quick courts here though. You you ruling him out having another run? I just mm, yes, well, yes you are. I'm not seeing lightning stri- striking twice. And I mean Ch- Chung's very solid, isn't he? Um, and a very good mover as well. So yeah, Kokinakis in that section. He looked good in uh, in Perth. We do, Tenasi, yeah, we? yeah. Beats Verev in in Perth again. Exhibition Hotman Cup, but. Exhibition definitely played with with a bit more intent and commitment than your average exhibition, it has to be said. Um, Bottom section of the draw in which Roger Federer, the second seed, is in. He could play Richard Gasquet in the third round. He's got Aliash Bedenay in the first round. (laughs) It would be so Aliash Bedenay to beat him, wouldn't it? (laughs) If he beats him, how, how... Will I mean he's not going to? But let's say, let's imagine a world where Aliash Bedney beats Roger Federer uh, on on the Monday night session. I think that's when that match is going to be played. What, how will the British press approach it? We'll be banging our heads against the wall. Will, will you speak to him? Will you go to the press conference? And... <laughs> well, I'm not going to speak to you. <laughs> yeah, you, you've let me down badly. I mean, we, I mean, I think. What's the headline? I know you don't write your own headlines, but I mean, how how the, what approach would yeah. you take? Defector uh, <laughs> enjoys uh, highlight of career after after Did snubbing you, the country that, that that spent thousands of pounds trying to help him out. 
<laughs> Simon Briggs there here on the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the Telegraph and Eurosport um, so anyway Gasquet Federer potentially third round I, I love this as a first round is Thomas Burdick in that section against Alex Dimonor have you seen Dimenauer. this kid play Dimenauer. no it's Dimonor oh. alright I've heard the kids say it now he's 18 he looks physically a bit like Leighton Hewitt because he... He looks physically a bit like a child. He is implausibly youthful. He does look like his mum has packed his lunch. I saw him actually, my first glimpse of him uh, was here last year as a 17-year-old um, playing, he won a round here last year, I think, and he played Sam Querrey. I can't remember. What he, he played Sam Querrey and he got a set off Sam Querrey. Um, I'm trying to remember whether that was second round or first round. Um I have a feeling he won around and it was second round, but I could be wrong. Anyway, he got a set off San Query. He was playing uh, on one of the outside courts, but on one of the more, um, uh, uh, one of the outside courts with, with more seating. The atmosphere was sensational. It was a glorious day and he was impressive. Uh, and he looked like, I mean, I couldn't believe how young he looked. It was it was ridiculous. Was it it looked like he looked like one of the ball kids. And he, was, he was interviewed after his match win the other day against Milos Raonic in Brisbane, and Catherine texted me and said he's implausibly youthful yeah. because his interview ridiculous. was hilarious. And he seems like a lovely lad. Isn't he quite tall and gangly? No, he's small. I mean, he's quite oh, I mean, slight. I've mean, only seen him on TV. I mean, we're talking, he looks he looks tall because he's so thin. Short, relatively speaking, because I mean I'm six seven, but you know he he. He doesn't look tall to me. What he has is an incredible hand-eye coordination to return serve. He thrashed Felic- Feliciano Lopez last night in Sydney. He did the same to Milos Raonic. He was blunting these guys' serve. He was standing on the baseline and just basically saying, come on, hit it harder you know, at me. And, and he was picking it up and returning it violently at these guys. Are you saying he's going to beat Thomas Burdick? No. Oh. I, th- I think yeah, it's a disappointing draw, isn't it? From the best Australian of five Open. sets thing is is really important. Uh, I think he will be impressive. I think he will hurt. I think it'll be. You remember when Shapovalov played Burdick at Queens, and it was a fantastic match, and he he wasn't far off taking him out, but he didn't win in the end. The the nous of these guys usually ends up prevailing. Um, but tell you what, Dimonor is good news for the sport right now. Really exciting player. Um, Maybe it would be good for him not to have too much of a. Deep run and, and to get ahead of himself at this stage. No, we'd like a bit of hype no. here. When we? is it ever good news not to win tennis matches for a I, tennis player? I love hype. And well, I think it would have been good news for Laura not to have won Wimbledon Junior at the age of 15, for instance. No, what would Touché. have been good for Laura would have good been not example. to have a wrist injury that put her out for two years. Yeah, I think uh, the pressure of living up to that title still wasn't took a while to, to deal with. She was We've not found Simon here. Briggs in positive frame of mind today, have We're we? We're going to go and buy Simon an, uh, a beer afterwards, <laughs> aren't we? Cheer him up a bit. Um, but uh, Laura was unable to get into qualifying here, I heard, because it was a 96 qualifying draw in the women's... And smaller qualifying draw the than the men's here and smaller than, than any other slam. I and I, I'm, that's, I'm, that's, that's not right. It's 96 at, uh, at three slams. Oh, but it's the only slam where it's smaller than the... the where they have an where the men's and the women's have a different draw size. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Anyway, I be- I'm pretty sure that that's me, the case, and I, I haven't heard any, uh, anyway. any explanation of that. So, uh, Burdick against Delpo is a potential third round. Uh, Goffan, who's in that section, a lot of people think Goffan may be having a massive run here. Well, what do you think, Simon? Could you see Goffan being here in the semis? 
Oh, yeah, he's got to get past um, Fanini, Del Potre, probably. Del Poor Burdick. It's and not then, a great court for him. And then he might it's have to play Federer speed. in the quarterfinals. If he gets that far, um, I, I think he's in, in with a shout. The, the, I don't think the court suits him here brilliantly, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of... He takes the ball so early, doesn't he, which, uh, which ca- can be quite effective on a... Certainly, at this stage of the year, it, it can be disconcerting. People who aren't quite used to moving around the court, they're, they're still kind of finding their feet. So the, the, those, those first few matches, he's going to probably cruise through them. Fanini in the, in the third round. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get to the quarters. It's, it's exciting. I can't wait. Can we start now? It's Friday as we speak to you. But no, anyway. we can't bloom and start now because it's raining, oh, it's Davis. Raining. Yeah. i tell you what. Because Simon needs a bit of a, a jolt, we'll go and get him some caffeine, and then we'll talk about the women's draw in just a minute. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. 
Right, so Simon Briggs is freshly caffeinated. He looks a bit jollier. Um, he does need a shave, but we'll, we'll overlook that for now. Um, the, the women's draw is just full of excitement and intrigue. Nigel Sears, in, in the podcast a few days ago, ran, ran us through 26 names that he felt could be factors. And, and it's hard to argue. And the first... I mean, it's, it's, it's not the top half of the draw. I'm looking at the bottom half of the draw here. That The eye has immediately drawn here to Venus Williams against Belinda Benchage in the first round. I mean, what a first round that is. It's, all, it, it's awful for Venus Williams. I, I think Belinda Benchich is... I'm picking Belinda Benchich to win that one. I've, I've spoken a lot about how impressed I've been with her tennis so so far this year. I know she lost out to, uh, to Kerber in that Hopman Cup final, but... Kerber, who I'm sure we'll talk about, was was brilliant that day and throughout the Hopman Cup. So um, that is just awful news for Venus Williams. That was the first one when when I bumped into you at, at baggage claim last night. That was the first question I asked you about the women's draw. Who's who's got Belinda Bencic? Um, and uh, because you'd already memorised the draw by that stage, you were able to tell me that Venus had Belinda Bencic. Yeah. And uh, I mean, w- what a match for um, for for the organisers to have to to put on um, in lieu of the defending champion not being here. I mean, that is, of course, the marquee match. She played Serena in the first round last year, although she was... She was nowhere fit. near, she nowhere near. Fit. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, what more can I say other than I'm picking the um, last year's finalists to, to lose first round, I'm Goodness. sad to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's that section as well is the one that features Yulia Gerges, who is on now, I think, a 14-match winning run dating back to last year. And she won the tournament in the first week of the year here as well. Beat Caroline Wozniacki in the final. It, it could be, couldn't it, one of those tournaments where somebody like Gerges, who is just on a hot streak, continues it all the way through. Simon, what do you think? Well, I mean, we had Ostapenko winning the French. We had Sloane Stevens winning the US Open. I mean, who would have picked either of those? So... Uh, Actually, funnily enough, he said Nigel Sears picked 26. We've just been talking to um, Johanna Conter's new coach, Michael Joyce, and I think he said there are 25 women who can win it. So that was a wow. remarkably uh, similar uh, verdict. When are we going to be reading that article, Simon? Yeah, that'll, that'll be in uh, the Saturday's papers back in the UK. Did he list all 25? No, we did, we, we did, we did have a long uh, sit-down, and I can tell you that uh, Michael Joyce, he's not short of a word or two. <laughs> Um, we, trans- we transcribed the uh, interview. We had we three and a half thousand words, so, we, so we're, we're on, on the way to, uh, to having a book after, after the, uh, the first encounter with him of the season. I wonder why you all looked uh, so stressed out as you were tapping away. That's three and a half thousand words. That's quite a lot. Also in that Venus Williams-Belinda Bencic quarter, by the way, Sloane Stevens, who's got Zhang Shui first round, upset alert, I would say. Mm. Zhang Shui traditionally plays well here she's had that run here didn't she a couple of years yeah, ago yeah semi-finalist yeah. has Sloane won a match since well no I mean I, yeah on paper maybe that's not that much of an upset well she's but... had a knee injury again and as you say she's her results have just fallen in the pond really Svitolina in that quarter as well yeah Brisbane um, champion Svitolina who we're going to be reading about in the Telegraph soon I believe Simon Briggs yeah I, th- I mean I think I'm the first person to write about her cricketing interests um, but she's uh, moved to London in September, bought a place in southwest London, and is uh, we can sort of adopt her as, as a <laughs> she's bring the trophy home for the UK, even though she's not playing under our flag. I mean, she actually is the bookies' favourite or or joint favourite now with Halep after, after the Muguruza withdrawal in um, in Sydney. Muguruza was previously slightly ahead of them, uh, but it's now dropped back a little bit. 
Speaking of cricket, just quickly, by the way, have you see, we all, uh, I don't know whether you two take a different route uh, into the tennis, but I have to walk pretty much around the MCG. Lovely, lovely oh, no, walk into the terrible. tennis. There's a huge banner erected on the side of the MCG which just says hashtag beat England. It's really, really um, hostile and aggressive. Pretty standard, I just <laughs> thought. Makes me a bit sad. There's a one day happening on, on Sunday. Okay, I well. Just, oh, yeah, I think yes. I might be going to that. Excellent. Anyway, cricket. You went to the cricket the other day, didn't you? Did you see the, the uh, we've had a problem with official ceremonies in Australian sport the last week because having already destroyed the draw here uh, last night, the, the previous ceremony was the awards due for, for, or the presentation for the winning team in Sydney when they completed a 4-0 win in the Ashes Test Series. And Australia, even their own writers have been giving them a kicking for this rather um, sort of provocative uh, move where they, they they put an Australian hand with done up in blue with the stars with the stars of the flag on it and, uh, and four fingers raised towards the sky and then they had um, the the English hand clenched with with no fingers up to, to symbolise four four nil it did look uh, like they were they were kind of performing an obscene gesture in the direction of the English cricket team. If I, if Magnanimous could, in victory, as always. If I could yeah. just take a picture of Catherine Whittaker's face as you were describing that, Simon, I mean, I'm not sure my camera would have survived it, um, but she wasn't pleased. Uh, so the rest of this draw, the, the bottom half of the, the women's draw, Caroline Wozniacki now is the second seed because she's, uh, she's moved up into to world number two position. Um, a few people, I think, are, are thinking this might be the one. This might be the year where she finally gets over the line in the slam. Your Simon Briggs doesn't. Like well, I mean, again, I mean, you say that Goffin's not so ideally suited to the pace of the courts. Is, is Caroline Wozniacki suited to them either? Remember when she got a thrashing last year from Concert, didn't she? I mean, she's in the same quarter as Ostapenko, Van der Wey. I mean, these are big ball strikers, aren't they? Uh, can she handle the pace? The, the, the draws are right early on for her, isn't it? I mean, you've got sort of uh, Kiki Burton, Cece Bellis, uh, the young Americans in there. I, th- I think she's going to, uh, you know, reach uh, at least fourth round. Van der Wey is problematic, I think. Uh, but Van der Wey and Ostapenko would meet, um, I think, uh, before they play Wozniacki. So she she won't have to play both Van der Wey and Ostapenko, but uh, she'll likely have to play one of them. And uh, that could be problematic. I right. Think, so, who's her. coming through this bottom half of the draw then? Gerges, maybe, or uh, uh, Bencic, or Svitolina, hopefully. Svitolina. Yeah, I mean, she did look good in Brisbane. Let, 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 let's. let's um, she's never that, got that, beyond a quarter final. Yeah, slam. I mean, she she has been building, hasn't she? She won three um, quite five. significant events yeah. last year. She still has underachieved at the, at the slams, but you just think that she's kind of gathering um, self belief as she goes and and. Her ranking is continuing to climb, and she just seems like she might be on, on the verge of doing something special. Top half of the draw, Simona Halep is the, the top seed here, yet to win a slam. Should say apologies for not referencing the fact that she also won a title last week. I forgot to mention that in my roundup when Catherine was, was not so well. Uh, and uh, Simona Halep won this title indoors uh, in the end because of all the rain that they've been having in Auckland. So well done to her. She could face, I mean, this is not, not a great draw. She could face Petra Kvitova in round three, which is, which is rough. Um, there's Barty against Vesnina as a potential fourth round. In that section, uh, then it would most likely be a, a quarterfinal against Conter or Pliskova. Uh, these are these are tough players to be to be getting through early on, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, 
she she looked pretty good, didn't she, in in her last tournament? Um, but again, you would expect this to be a, a power player's slam. It certainly was last year with the Williams sisters meeting each other in the, in the final, um, and Pliskova and Conta probably. Conta's got Brengel first round. That's yeah, that's not, a good draw a for her. Draw, is it? Yeah. Um, and then Strichiva probably as, as as a third round if she gets that far again sort of a crafty player rather than a power hitter but but Pliskova in the in the fourth round for Conta potentially um, that's not going to be easy. What do you think, Catherine? I, 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 my eye also drawn to Garbini Magarutha, who's got no real match practice coming in because she's been injured. Yeah, she's at the the other the bottom half of that half, if you like the bottom. Uh, the bottom quarter. So I, I think uh, I think Conta's going to be okay up until the fourth round when I would expect her to meet Pliskova. I can't see many uh, banana skins for either of those two in their uh, in their portion of the draw. Um, Halep Kvitova, I think Halep probably would come through. That Barty is in that section. She's on court as we speak, I think, taking on... Dasha Gavrilova uh, in Sydney uh, in a quarterfinal. Uh, so I think she could muster something. She would be a fourth round opponent of Halep or Kvitova. So and that's a match I'd like to see. I think, I'd, you know, I wouldn't put her as the favourite, but um, I think something could happen there. But I don't know. Who's coming through that section? Am I going to say Conta? Am I going to say Conta? If it's the Conta that's played played in Brisbane, I think Conta. But that the loss to Radvanska was a worry. Yeah, it was windy conditions. She didn't enjoy playing Radvanska's style. Yeah. And bear in mind that Brisbane, although not officially an indoor tournament, is in practice. Yeah, it so, has that kind of. Uh, that was actually the point that Joyce made: is that she was basically um, acclimatised to indoor tennis, hadn't had much preparation in Sydney. I think she's somebody who does need very. Uh, careful preparation she's not somebody who can wing it is she mm. he she's, was she's impressive when, when he came on to talk to her i thought he 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 was pretty decisive and wasn't afraid to to just uh, as nigel says was telling us the other day in the podcast to coach her and actually give her specific advice not just kind of bigging her up but pushing her on um what scoreline are you looking at there, Simon Briggs? Heather Watson, who's in semi-final action at the moment in Hobart. More reason for cheer for Simon Briggs. Although it does mean if she loses in Hobart today, she'll be in Melbourne sooner and you'll get to speak to her sooner. 4-1 <laughs> down. Yeah, she was, um, she was on a roll there because she lost the first at 6-4, won the second 6-1. Uh, but she's now 4-1 down on the third, so that's not looking... She loves a comeback, though, Heather Watson. Don't write her off. The final section of the draw that we haven't looked at yet is arguably the best of the lot because in that Muguruza section, just below her, uh, she could face Radvanska incidentally in the, the third round, uh, could Muguruza. But the section in which you've got Angelique Kerber, who's in just banging form right Banging. Now, isn't she? I mean, what form that woman is in at the moment. So she's like she was two years ago. Suddenly. She is. She's fearsome. She's 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 found a, a, her confidence in her aggression again hasn't she she's not afraid of a tennis ball anymore it's nice to see isn't it because she's one of the good girls you know to deal with she's a really likable person and i don't think anyone enjoyed seeing that just the the misery she was going through last year having to try and live up to expectations i can't remember who it was was it sears who said um you know look out for her this year yes i think it was nigel uh she's liberated and she's going to be back to her best and you know i i put a top three 
probably players for the title. The yeah, reason, I've got it coming through that quarter, I think. Well, the, re- the reason I, I highlighted it particularly as well is because in that section, she could have to play in the, the third round, Kerber likely to have to play either Sharapova or Sevastova. Who so, would meet in the second round, yeah. a repeat of their uh, their match in New York, so of course. Sharapova has got a, a rough old draw there, but that's the beauty of the unseeded player, isn't it, in these sections? Um Caroline Garcia, right at the bottom of the the top half of the draw there, um, is somebody that I've been looking forward to watching all year long, really, uh, ever since the, the the exploits of late last season. But she did all hurt her back. Long. All right. It's the 12th of January. <laughs> yeah, well, I have. It's... It feels like a long time I've been out here already. It's just plain accuracy, Catherine Whitaker, is what it is. Okay, I've rather exaggerated. But yeah, 12 days is how long I've been looking forward to watching Caroline Garcia. Hopefully her back injury is okay. Um, So we've also got uh, Heather Watson in that section of the draw. She has got Yulia Patintseva first round. Poots to her friends. And Kristina Mladenovic maybe in the second round. Mladenovic trying to, to arrest a 14-match winning uh, losing streak, which she's currently on. Yeah, good draw for Heather. Um, well, yes. Patinsev is tough, though. She can make life difficult. Yeah, I mean, she's not done that much, actually, since she won St. Petersburg, which is almost a year ago. No, that's right. What do we think Maria Sharapova's doing? Where do we think um, she's getting to? It's so hard to predict Sylvester, though, isn't it? I mean, when she's playing well... Where, where was it? It was Brisbane where she was woeful against... Uh, she was well, the, she was, because the first two or three matches Sevastova played, she was amazing. She, she barely lost games. And then suddenly she ran into Alexandra Sasnovich. And I, I kid you not, Sevastova was complaining in the first game to her coach she, about her own form, about how, how she hated everything. And I've, ne- I've not seen negativity like that on a court. Well, not even for me. If Simon Briggs esque nevi- negativity was a tennis player, he would be like that. <laughs> uh. I think she'd find a way uh, to be positive, though, if she were facing a matchup with Maria Sharapova in the second round. Yeah, don't well, you think? she beat her at the US Open, of course, and that was a very good match. I think Kerber will take Sharapova at third round. I agree. I think I think it's all a bit academic because I think Kerber's. Coming through, whoever she plays. Right then. In that so, who's going to win the Australian Open? Oh no, no, we've got two more days, David. Two more days to go. It's exciting, I... isn't it? Crikey, can't wait. You're uh, not going to, you're not going to press, you're not going to press Simon for his picks now. No, because he's got a couple more days. He can actually have a think about it, and, and yeah, maybe. Do you know how many thousands of words have got to go in the paper? Well, is there anything else that you want to tell us about that you're going to be writing and we're going to be reading about? I don't know. We're about to go and see Billie Jean King in 15 minutes. Well, so. That's pretty good. Um, maybe I said that very casually, Simon. Oh, if I were, if I had a date with Billie Jean King in 15 minutes, I would be in a sprightly mood. Yeah, but it's not me specifically. It's just uh, her open press. She's conference. not telling the people she's with. I'm, I'm seeing Simon Briggs no. in 15 well, minutes. Well, you know, probably is. Do you know what she's going to be chatting about? I think she's just um, going to answer any question, but I shall probably bring up Margaret Cortarina. Now, this, this is something else I've got wrong, isn't it? Because uh, in the spring, I, I thought that uh, by this stage, the Australian Open would have changed the name of Margaret Cortarina. They... You weren't alone. I think a lot of people thought that. And I spoke to somebody who works for Tennis Australia yesterday, and they said what you weren't taking into account is that there was the gay marriage debate, there was the victory for what we might call the progressive view, and that's taken a lot of sting out of it. And they say that they haven't had anybody come to them and say, I don't want to play on Margaret Court Arena. It's interesting, isn't it? Doesn't it? You could say you'd expect that to enhance the. Uh 
strength of feeling around the issue, but no. I think his view was that it just made Court look like a bit of a fool. I mean, I know she already did to us, but okay, she had supporters in the wider uh, area of Australian politics. She was almost the sort of Farage figure, if you if you can conflate this debate with with Brexit. She she was the one who was leading the the the, the right wingers, I suppose you might say, or, or certainly the intolerant fringe. And um, the fact that they lost, she is still clearly well out of step with most of the people at this tournament. But I think it's reduced her relevance in some ways, made it uh, less of an issue. Just uh, as a final point on that, um, just like to draw attention to our good friend Mary Carrillo, who we hope is going to be another guest on the Tennis Podcast over the next couple of weeks because she's a Tennis Podcast listener and we love her. Uh, she has been doing a documentary with and about Margaret Court, um, which is due to air at the end of January. She spent four days in the company of Margaret Court. She also went and interviewed Billie Jean King and Martin and Avratilova for what sounds like a fascinating documentary about when a legacy can be safe when when regardless of what you might do in your life thereafter uh, whether your legacy is safe or not anyway fascinating question and we we look forward to seeing that we also look forward to the australian open which is due to start in just a couple of days from now have you got anything else you'd like to say before i go and get excited coverage starts on eurosport midnight midnight sunday night monday morning and at 7.45 in the morning, UK time, Rob Curling will be presenting. Catherine will be doing all the interviews and chatting away, courtside. Yes. And I expect I'll make my first appearance during that 15, 15 minutes of, of build-up. I'll, I'll, I'll be having my hotly anticipated chat with Rob Curling via the satellite airwaves. Excellent. Simon Briggs will be tapping away on his typewriter, uh, 3,000 words a minute for the next, uh, for the next three days. I'm watching uh, all my predictions lose in the first round. Yes, I'll be commentating on BBC Radio 5 Live and 5 Live Sports Extra over the course of the fortnight. We are the Tennis Podcast. We will be back every single day of this Australian Open with daily shows. We might even come back on Sunday just for an extra because why not? Uh, and uh, we will be doing that. We'll also, we're also sponsored by La Manga Club, the, the place that Catherine and I had a wonderful tennis holiday. Go and check them out. The uh, place that's responsible for my, my forehand. Which we have yet to test out whether it's actually any good. There's but video our, evidence. Our David. rematch video actually evidence. now is part of the predictions competition as well. We, 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 we're asking for a winner. You're playing that. here? Well, we'll see. Um, We'll see. Rod Laver. Yeah. Well, Catherine's not being very well. Can we play in 10 minutes? <laughs> okay, no, that didn't work. I know for a fact, David, that you forgot to pack your tennis racket. I did so. do that. I've got two with me. Have you? Brilliant. Mm, Have you brought that one Laura Robson gave us? Yeah, that's my favourite racket. Excellent. Can I use the that Wilson one? Wilson Steam. It was discontinued. Really? But uh, it's bloody good. It's Excellent. a cheat racket because you get extra spin for the same shot. Brilliant. Right. I, I'll I bring... don't think extra spin is what David Law needs. He is, quote, a slice and dicer. Well, I think that'll be quite effective for him then. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, we are also brought to you in association with our Kickstarter backers because you lot have been amazing. Uh, we have executive producers, Triple S, 
Melanie Bowes, our champion of last year. Tennisballs.com, who have supported us for the second year in a row. We have a mascot. We have Charlie the Ferret. Charlie's been having a bit of a bad time of it of late because his friend Milan the Cat recently passed away. We'd just like to pass on our condolences to uh, Charlie's mum and Charlie because of that. But Charlie's going to be following the Australian Open with relish over the next couple of weeks. He can't wait. He's been wearing his Tennis Podcast T-shirt. We will be back with daily shows every single day throughout the Australian Open. Speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.